Okay. Well, it's great to see so many of you here on campus, Labor Day weekend, and I'm excited to get to be here with you today. Like I said earlier, uh, my name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited that we are continuing in our message series called Ready or Not. Like we've said for the last few weeks, we've been taking a journey together uh, through the book of Joshua, kind of looking at some of the events from the life of Joshua. And uh, But before we get into our uh, our lesson for today, our sermon for today, I want to let you guys know about some things that have been happening in our student ministry. God has been working and moving in our student ministry in an incredibly big way. And uh, many of you know our student pastor, Justin, at the beginning of the summer, he was offered a lead pastor job at a church up in Tennessee. And uh, he took that, and we were so excited for him. It was a great opportunity for him. And uh, with him moving on, I have had the opportunity during this interim time to kind of step in and help uh, kind of lead our student ministry and to see all that God is doing. And so I just want to give you guys an update on everything that we've seen, uh, what God God's been up to in our student ministry kind of over the summer and now going into the fall. So yeah, so we started out with some great summer events. We played Ultimate Frisbee, uh, but to make it a little more fun, we put sprinklers all around the Ultimate Frisbee field. Uh, so it was a giant muddy mess. We had our Nerf gun wars uh, a couple of weeks ago. We bought 50 used Nerf guns and like a thousand rounds of ammo, and we turned our gym into like all these foxholes. You see all these tables and such, and uh, we went after it and had a blast playing Nerf gun wars. If you have a fourth or fifth grader, uh, Actually, next week, I believe it's at 5 o'clock, we're having uh, another Nerf night. And so you're going to want to make sure uh, to have him here for that. We had movie night. We had all kinds of pool parties. We had all these fun events. Oh, yeah, this is Broom Ball. Let's pause here for a second. Uh, we went to Eastone Mall and played Broom Ball, which if you don't know what Broom Ball is, literally you get a broom and there's a ball and you play hockey out there on the ice. And one of my favorite parts about it, was some of our uh, young adult volunteers, they went really, really hard, and the ice got really, really slippery, and they busted really, really bad. And uh, they were fine, but I'm not going to lie, I laughed. It was, uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, but then the summer kind of culminated in our big back-to-school party that we had. You can see we had a ton of students at this thing. They brought their friends. As a matter of fact, we had 85 students uh, come out to our big back-to-school party. There were 22 adults that were there. The coolest part about that was the students invited their friends. We had 17 first-time guests at our back-to-school party that night, and we have seen many of those students continue to kind of hang out with us and be with us here at Vaughn Forest Church. And let me tell you something about our students here at Vaughn Forest. They are incredible. I have had such a privilege getting to know them and to see how much they love the Lord, how much they love getting into God's Word. They love being around one another. They love inviting their friends. They love to worship. Our students here at Vaughn Forest Church are just incredible. Now, why do we do all of these fun events? Well, on August 14th, Sunday morning, we launched all of our new Sunday morning uh, life groups. Over the summer, we recruited 26 adults who were going to come upstairs and help lead our student Sunday morning life groups. And in the weeks leading up to that, they called, they texted, they emailed as many of our students as they had contact information on. And I'm excited to say that on that Sunday, August 14th, we had 81 students, 26 adults for a number, a total number of 107. And this is more than double, basically triple what we had at the beginning of the summer. God has shown up in an incredible way in our student ministry. As a matter of fact, this past week, we had 87 students and uh, 24 adults for a total of 111. That is the most that we've had on a Sunday morning here at Vaughn Forest Church uh, for the entire year. So praise God for that. It's just amazing to see how God is showing up and working. One of the other things that we did is we launched Wednesday night Bible study groups up here uh, about three weeks ago. 
And we had a whole different group of adults come up to lead that, although our Sunday morning leaders were invited to come and build relationships, and many of them do. But our Wednesday night groups were really aimed at helping students uh, as they kind of, the different issues that they're facing today as they are growing up as students in this world. And let me tell you something, adults, that the issues and the problems that these students are facing today are completely different than what you and I face as we were growing up. And so our Wednesday night studies had the focus of helping these students go deeper and helping them understand how to handle some of these issues that they are facing in their daily lives. And we're consistently seeing between 60 and 70 at that. We have first-time guests all the time who are sticking around. We come up here, we have dinner, we have a great time. It's a real fun environment, and uh, God is moving through that. Something else that I'm really excited about is next Sunday, September 11th, we launch a high school-only in-home apologetics group. It's an apologetics group. And if you don't know what apologetics is, it's basically studying God's word to give you the confidence to know what you believe. Now, why are we doing this? Well, because many of these high school students in the next year or less, or maybe in the next couple of years, they're going to be going off to college, they're going to be entering into the workforce, and there are all kinds of people and things out there that are trying to tell them that what they believe has no basis in reality that it's fake and that it's not real. And it is important for us to know that these students have confidence in what they believe. Russ and Ari Baker and Anthony and Kim Miller are going to be leading the study. It meets from 5 to 7 p.m. in their home. There's going to be dinner every single week. Uh, And so I would encourage you, if you have a high school student, especially a senior, make sure that they come to this study. If you want more information on it, in the back of that Life Group catalog towards the end, uh, there's information on that so that you can get your high school student coming to that. Now, why do I talk about all this? Why do I talk about all the fun that we've had, all the students that are coming, everything we have coming up? It's to say this, that God is working and moving. God is working and moving in our student ministry, and it is incredible to see. It is incredible to see how he is working in the lives of these students. But also, I say all this to say thank you. Thank you to Vaughn Forest Church. Thank you for supporting this ministry. Thank you to those of you who have stepped up to lead Sunday morning groups. Thank you to those who have stepped up to lead Wednesday evening groups or Sunday night groups. Thank you to those who have shown up to these student events and helped chaperone or just be there to hang out and build relationships with these students as these students learn to apply God's words to their life. Thank you for those who bring breakfast on Sunday mornings. Uh, I didn't even tell you guys about how awesome Sunday is. We get up there, there's always this like giant cruise ship buffet spread because people in the church bring all this food up there. And let me tell you something, the middle school guys make sure that it's gone uh, by the end of that Sunday. But we get up there, we hang out, we have a good time, we get up, we do uh, a big lesson. And uh, then we break up into small groups where they discuss the issues that they're facing. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been discussing uh, the fruit of the Spirit, talking about how to walk in step with the Spirit and look for the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and in the lives of those around us. So I just say thank you. Thank you for, for all that you guys have done. Again, and thank you for those of you who have prayed and supported this ministry. This doesn't happen without your prayer support. And thank you for those who give. None of these events that we do happen without your generosity. So thank you for giving. Thank you to everyone at Vaughn Forest Church for being a part of what God is doing in the student ministry at Vaughn Forest Church. Now, just a couple of quick things before we jump into the lesson for today. One, we have a student, uh, a, an informational email that goes out every single week. It goes out every single week. And if you are the parent of a student and you are not getting that email on the bottom of your connection card today, I want you to write student email so that uh, I can know to add you to that list. So if you will write student email, I will add you to that list. And then also coming up, we have a student parent info meeting two weeks from today on Sunday, September 18th at 4 p.m. 
And uh, that's going to be up here at the church. We're going to talk about all the events that we have coming up. Uh, you're going to have an opportunity to meet your Sunday morning uh, group leaders for your students, the Wednesday night group leaders, and just to learn about some big events we have coming up uh, this fall, this winter, and into next year. And so again, student email at the bottom of your connection card for that, and our student parent info meeting next Sunday, September 18th at 4 p.m. And then finally, let me wrap all of this celebration time up with this. We are in the middle of the process of looking for our next student pastor. And so I would just ask for your prayers in this. Uh, we, we are going and we will keep you guys updated as that process continues. But p- please be praying for that process. Be praying for that individual that God's going to bring here uh, to help lead our student ministry uh, because some really great things are going on and we are excited about that. But for today, we are going to be jumping back into our message series, Ready or Not. Like I said, we've been taking a look at some of the events uh, from the life of Joshua in the book of Joshua. And uh, I'm not going to recap everything to get us where we're at today. We're going to be looking at the life of a guy named Achan, who comes into play right after the Battle of Jericho. And a couple of weeks ago, Adam did a great job unpacking the Battle of Jericho. If you missed that message or any of the other messages in this series... I would encourage you, head over to vaughnforest.com. You can get caught up, and uh, there's been some really great teaching that's happened. But just to sum up very quickly so we can get to our lesson for today, Israel is enslaved in Egypt. Uh, God says, I'm going to take you to the promised land. There's a guy named Moses that many of you have probably heard of that takes them out of the promised land. Uh, They make their way, or excuse me, takes them out of Egypt. They make their way to the promised land. Right as they are about to enter the promised land, also known as Canaan, uh, there's some disobedience that happens. And God says, you're going to wander in the desert for 40 years. Okay, you're not going to get to end the promised land. You're going to wander in the desert for 40 years. So 40 years pass. Joshua becomes the leader of the nation of Israel, and they have crossed the Jordan River, and they are heading in to take the promised land. And the first city up for them to take is this city called Jericho. Now, when I talk about Jericho, maybe picture like Helm's Deep from Lord of the Rings, okay? Incredibly fortified. It's going to be impossible for them to get in, all right? This is going to be really tough for the Israelites. And But God says, no, you're not even going to have to worry about that. I'm going to take care of it for you. And Lily says, you're not going to have to fight. Instead, you're going to obey me, march around the city once a day for six days, then seven times on the seventh day, and then you're going to give a shout, the walls are going to come down, and I'm going to give you the victory. And this is where we are going to kind of pick up our story for today. So we're going to pick it up at the moment of victory in Joshua chapter 6, verse 20. It says this, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. So literally, because of their obedience, doing what God told them to do, God literally crushes the walls, and the men run in. Now, one of the instructions that God had given the Israelites before this battle is he says, you're not going to take any plunder. You're going to kill everything in the city. You're going to burn all the grain and everything else. And if there's precious metals, gold, silver, iron, bronze, that kind of stuff, that's going to go into the treasury of the Lord. And so in Joshua 6, 24, we see this. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. So they're being obedient to do what God has told them to do. So this is where we're going to start today. This is where our first key takeaway is going to come in. Our first key takeaway is this, that faith obeys God even when it doesn't make sense. Faith obeys God even when it doesn't make sense. So there's two parts to this story that would have been very confusing to the Israelites, okay? The first is the battle plan. 
These guys, remember, the entire nation of Israel for 40 plus years has been journeying to the promised land. And then for 40 years, they've been wandering in the desert around the promised land, just waiting for the Lord to tell them that it was time to go in and take it. During that time, they had been training. They had been getting ready. They knew that they had to conquer this land. And so they had been getting ready for this moment. They'd been getting ready for it. They were aching. They were ready to go. And we know from the story of the Battle of Jericho that Rahab, a character in the story, literally says that the entire area has been shaking in fear because of the Israelites and because of the God that they serve. So they're thinking, we're going to go in. They're probably making all these battle plans, drawing it up on a whiteboard or whatever it was they had at the time. And they were like, we're going to go and fight. But what God wanted them to understand was that he was going to be the source of their victory. He was going to be the source of their victory. And so even the Israelites didn't understand, even though it didn't make sense, they were going to obey. The second part of the story that would have made zero sense to the Israelites was the fact that they weren't to take anything from the city. They weren't to take any plunder. And the reason that wouldn't have made sense is that a couple of chapters before that, uh, the Israelites celebrated the first Passover in the Promised Land. And up until that point, for the last 40 plus years, the Lord had been providing something called manna from heaven that, he, that the Israelites would eat daily for food. So literally daily, this manna would fall from heaven, the Israelites would collect it, and they would eat. Well, when they celebrated the first Passover uh, in the Promised Land, that manna from heaven stopped coming. And so the Israelites are going, we need these supplies. We need the food. We need the grain. We need the livestock. All of this that Jericho has, we're going to need. These metals, we need to make weapons and other things that we're going to need. We need all this stuff, but God said, no, you're going to burn it, and then any of the metals you're going to put into my treasury. So it didn't make sense to the Israelites, but they still wanted to be obedient. Because remember, faith obeys God even when it doesn't make sense. So the battle has been won. If this was a movie, this is where the music crescendos and all is right with the world and the credits are about to roll. But if this was a movie, this is where the tone would shift. And this is where the music goes a little bit darker. Because then we read this in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Let's hold this here for a second. Achan decided that he was going to disobey. He decided that his way made more sense. Even though faith in God obeys when it doesn't make sense, <clears throat> Achan said that he had a better way and a better plan. Now, an interesting note here is that it says the Israelites were unfaithful in regard. The whole nation of Israel was held accountable for one man's sin. And this is going to bring us to our next key takeaway, which is this. Disobedience has consequences. <clears throat> Disobedience has consequences. So after the taking of Jericho, the Israelites knew that they were going to continue taking the promised land. They were going to continue to conquer. And up next is this city called Ai, literally Ai. And so the Israelites are going to go there, and, uh, and they're going to fight. And literally after Jericho, this like giant you know, city that was impregnable, after winning the battle there, everyone in the area has heard about how terrifying the Israelites are. This, thing, this city of Ai, this should be a nothing burger. This shouldn't be anything at all. So let's pick it up in Joshua 7-2 and see what happens. It says, Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, 
which is near Beth-Avon to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it and do not weary the whole army. For only a few people live there. Let's pause there for a second. So literally, these spies come back and they're like, look, man, this ain't going to be nothing. Like, you don't even need to send the whole army. College football is back. Can I get an amen? And they're saying, like, don't even send the first string, man. Send in, like, the second or the third string. This is going to be like a fourth quarter Alabama game, right? Like, don't even worry about it. It's going to be fine. So they just send a couple of thousand folks. And uh, it says about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai. So this city that should have been absolutely no problem whatsoever for the Israelites to take, they get routed by. This is unthinkable. This is the armies from Lord of the Rings being beaten by a bunch of hobbits, okay? This is Luke Skywalker taking out Darth Vader and the Death Star and having a bunch of Ewoks come and get him, okay? This is Superman beating the big bad, and all of a sudden a little kid comes and trips him and he falls down. This should not have happened. This should not have happened. And not only are they routed, it causes some real damage to the people of Israel. Let's take a look here. It says this, They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. So Israel gets whooped, gets whooped. And so Joshua goes and the elders of Israel, and they literally tear their clothes and they sprinkle dust on their head, which is an outward sign of anguish. And it says they fall before the ark of the Lord, and they're there for some time. And Joshua and these elders are going, God, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did we suffer this defeat? We went from being these conquering victors to now we're a laughingstock. Why did this happen? And God is going to answer Joshua in beginning in verse 10. He says this, The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. So again, disobedience has consequences. In this case, big ones. And God speaks to Joshua and he says, look, there is sin in the camp. You have sin in the camp, you guys have disobeyed, and you better suss out what that sin in the camp is. And so that's what's going to happen. This is going to bring us to our next point, which is this, that sin never stays hidden forever. Sin never stays hidden forever. So God is going to tell Joshua, you need to figure out what's going on. You need to uncover that sin And that's what's going to happen. So they bring out the entire nation of Israel by tribes and then by clans and then by families until a single man is singled out and his name is Achan. And picking up in verse 19 of Joshua chapter 7, we read this. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done and do not hide it from me. Achan replied, it is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. 
When I saw the plunder, when I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Now, I'm not saying that all of our sin will be revealed and exposed in such a dramatic manner as this. But the lesson to be learned here, Christians, is that no matter how good of a job we think we have done covering up our sin, no matter how good of a job we think we have done burying our sin, it will always get revealed. If not to those around us, then then to a holy God who sees all and knows all. And one of the lies that we as believers have bought into is we think that we can partition our lives into what everybody sees in public and then all of these secret things that happen behind closed doors when we think that no one is watching. And in the same way that Achan hid that treasure in the ground, hoping that no one would uncover it, we hide our sin in the ground and we think that it's never going to see the light of day and that no one knows. But the problem with that is that God sees our sin and no sin stays hidden forever. I've said a lot of times, that uh, I've learned more about the nature and the character of God, the relationship between God the Father and us as his children. I've learned more about any of that by being a parent. When I became a parent, I learned more about the nature and character of God, the relationship with God, than, than ever before. And I think a lot of us that are parents in the room probably remember a time where we've caught our kids in something, and we can see the evidence right there, and they're going, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do that. And, uh, and so to kind of help drive home this point about how God kind of sees our sin, uh, I went online and found an illustration. And so if you would, turn your attention to the screens. Hey, Jack. Did, did you eat a cupcake? You didn't eat a cupcake? No, I wasn't at home. You sure you didn't eat a cupcake? No. Hmm. I thought you maybe had a cupcake. No. No? What did you eat? Nothing. Nothing at all? No. Are you sure? No. Nothing at all. Blair, are you allowed to color on the wall? No, you're not. No, you're not. How come it smells like poop? Did you, did you poop your pants? No, Winnie. Winnie pooped your pants? Mm-hmm. Oh, Winston. You pooped your pants? Winnie. Sister colored the wall. Your sister colored the wall? Elena, you're still holding the marker. You're telling me you haven't ate any candy today? Mm-mm. I haven't. You can have one more time to tell me the truth. Really, I haven't. Then what is all over your face? Blue? Oh. Well, I forgot that I ate that. So that's us, right? That's what we do with God. We say, oh, you can't see that. We're sitting there with frosting all over our face and going, I didn't eat that. But God sees it. God sees our sin. It's as plain as day to him. Proverbs 15.3 says this, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. God sees it all. So stop playing these games with God. Stop thinking that you can compartmentalize your life because God sees all. And there have been so many people whose lives have been ruined because they thought they could keep their sin hidden. 
They thought that no one would ever find out about it. But the problem is, is that sin never stays hidden forever. And if it doesn't get exposed to those around us, then it always is seen by a holy God. And oftentimes we are not the ones, or the only ones, who pay the price. And this is going to take us to our next key takeaway, which is this, that your sin can have a huge impact on others. Your sin can have a huge impact on others. So how do we see this play out with Achan? Well, first off, the entire nation of Israel, when they go to that city of Ai, they get routed, and obedient, obedient men die because of Achan's sin. So your sin can have a huge impact on others. But then it gets much worse for Achan personally. Let's pick it up here in verse 24 of chapter 7. It says, Then Joshua, together with all of Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all of Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, all of his livestock and his families, they burned them. Over Achan they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Now, sitting here in this room or watching online, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Chad, that seems pretty harsh. That seems pretty harsh. There's two reasons why this happened. The first, remember, innocent, obedient men died because of Achan's sin. They died. But the second reason that this had to be done is God was trying to teach the nation of Israel early on what it meant to be obedient to him because God knows at the end of the path of disobedience and sin is destruction. I mean, think about this with our kids. Think about it with our kids. Are you more concerned with your kids' temporary happiness or who you were raising them to be? I am more interested, and our job as parents is to raise our children and to be responsible adults who love the Lord than I am their temporary happiness. And so it is with God and Israel. And the truth is that God is more concerned for us today. God is more concerned with our eternal character than our temporary happiness. But what we see here, what we see in this picture is a true sin or true uh, illustration of what sin actually does. Jesus even says this in John 10:10. He says the thief, the thief of sin comes only to steal, kill and destroy. And that is what we see happen as a result of Achan's sin. He steals and then there's death and there is destruction. And that is exactly what Achan's sin did to his entire family and to the entire nation of Israel. I mean, think about it. One day, Achan is sitting there. They've just defeated Jericho. They've had this amazing victory. And then days later, he and his entire family have been executed. Achan saw what he wanted. He saw what made sense to him. And he coveted and he took. And in that moment, sin took root in his heart and began this downward, slippery Slope, And he would not realize the effects of his sin until it was too late, until it had consequences on all those around him. And we see this today, right? How many of us know folks who their families and their lives have been torn apart, they've been onto the track for success, and then their sin gets exposed and it tears apart everything that they had going for them and it destroys. We see it all the time. Just turn on the news. You'll see it on TV. 
So if sin is this problem that has existed from the garden and then all throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament and then to us today, I think all of us can agree that sin is a problem. There's this giant sin issue that separates a holy God from this rebel race known as humanity. What can be done about it? Well, there is good news. Because John 10.10 10 doesn't stop here. Here's the full verse. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life inhabit to the full. This is Jesus talking, saying that sin comes to do all this, but I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. And church, this is really good news this morning, that there is an answer to sin. There is a solution. And this is going to lead us to our last takeaway from the story, which is this, that despite our faithlessness, God is still faithful. Despite our faithlessness, God is still faithful faithful. How do we see this play out in the book of Joshua? Well, after they destroy these things and get rid of the sin that's in the camp, Israel's going to go back to the city of Ai, and this time they win. They win in a huge way. The Lord is with them. And then from there, Israel would go on to conquer city after city as they take the promised land. And many chapters later, uh, right at the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua is at the end of his life, and he's given kind of his final address, his final charge to the nation of Israel. And he says, listen, Obey the Lord, follow his commands. And they say, we will. And he says, no, you don't understand. Obey the Lord because if you don't, it's going to go bad for you. If you turn away from the Lord, then it's going to bring destruction. They say, we're going to obey God. And there's this great moment where the entire nation uh, comes to say, we're going to obey the Lord. The problem with that is time and time and time again, Israel would turn away from the Lord. And time and time again, destruction would come. And time and time again, God would bring them back to him. Because despite our faithlessness, God is still faithful. And you see, in this story, church, we are Achan. We are Israel. We are the ones who time and time again turn away from God and break faith with the Lord. And there's four truths about sin that I want to let you know this morning. The first truth is this, that God sees our sin. We've talked about this. Nothing escapes the sight of God. God sees our sin. Number two, God hates our sin. Sin is literally everything that is in direct opposition to who God is. God is love, God is just, God is holy, and sin is the opposite of all of that. God, sin also leads to destruction. God knows this. He knows it, and God hates our sin. Number three, there has to be a punishment for our sin. God is love, yes, but he is also just, and God cannot let the guilty go unpunished. He cannot let these unjust things go unpunished. But here's the best truth of all about sin, which is this. God has forgiven our sin. He sees our sin. He hates our sin. There has to be a punishment for our sin, but God has forgiven our sin through what Jesus did on the cross for us. Check out what Romans 6.23 says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, your sins are already forgiven. All you have to do is accept that free gift that Jesus offers. Your sins are already forgiven Christ has already paid the price. All we have to do is accept that free gift. But just like Achan, so many of us try to bury these sins, and we only own up to it when we hit rock bottom. And Pastor Adam has said multiple times that you decide where rock bottom is. 
You can turn from your sin today and the consequences here on this earth will be way less. Or you can continue in that sin on that path of destruction until you hit rock bottom. And clearly the consequences of our sin today, they're not the same as what they were for Achan. I don't think anyone's going to drag us out and stone us. So what do those consequences look like? Well, we talked about a little bit earlier. They look like families that have been torn apart. They look like addiction. They look like suicide. The list goes on and on. But I don't say this today to scare you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to gently call you to repentance. Whether it's to accept that free gift of salvation for the first time or break a habit of habitual sin in your life, I'm trying to call you to repentance. Again, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And hear me today, church, that God doesn't want to expose you. God wants to restore you. God wants to restore you. He wants to restore the relationship. And he wants that so much that he literally sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the cross. We've said before that you don't need to beat yourself up over your sin because God already beat up Jesus over your sin on the cross. That's how much he loves us. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, the gospel is this, that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me, yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. So flawed that Jesus had to die, and yet so loved and valued that he was glad to do it. It's amazing news this morning. And so here today, maybe in this room, maybe watching online, I would just say, where, where are you today? Where are you? Our band's going to come in a moment and lead us in a time of response. And I think the response this morning is one of three things. The first response, I think, is that maybe you need to establish the relationship. Maybe when I talk about sin and this free gift of forgiveness that, that Jesus bought for us on the cross, that you may go, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. I have, I have never asked Jesus in my heart. I don't feel like I have that forgiveness. So maybe the first thing you need to do today is you need to establish the relationship with Jesus. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. And uh, Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can repeat after me. And there's nothing magical about these words. All it is is a conversation with God saying, God, I know that I've sinned, and I want that free gift of forgiveness that you offer. Maybe your response this morning is that you need to restore the relationship. Maybe you would say, you know, I know that I'm saved, I know I've been forgiven, but I've got this habitual sin in my life that I keep coming back to over and over and over again, and I want to break that cycle. I want to restore the relationship. Man, praise God. We have all kinds of folks here who would love to pray for you. Maybe you need to get involved with some accountability. Maybe it's to the point where you need to see a counselor about that, and we have that as an option. You can just write counselor on your connection card, turn in a little bit later, and we would love to follow up with that and get you connected to a counselor. Maybe you just need to talk to God here in a moment and say, God, I want to break this habit of sin in my life, turn away from it, and never go back to it. Or maybe the third thing, maybe the response today is to build the relationship. Maybe you need to further that relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's joining a life group. Like I said, our groups start in a week. Maybe that's getting involved with a service team here at Vaughn Forest Church. Maybe that's starting a daily time with the Lord where you read the Bible and pray to God daily. But whatever it is, whether you need to establish the relationship, restore the relationship, or build the relationship, my prayer is that here in a moment when the band plays and we pray, that you would be bold enough and that you would respond to the Lord however he is moving on your heart. Let's pray. So, Father, we just thank you, Father, that even though there's a sin issue, God, you offer a solution. And that, God, you took that punishment on yourself 
so that we could be in right relationship with you. And so, Father, if there's anyone, the sound of my voice, here in this room or watching online that has never asked you to be Lord of their life, that has never asked you to forgive them of their sin, God, I just pray that they would just repeat after me the simple prayer to say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done things wrong. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my heart. I want you to be Lord of my life and I want to have a relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray for anyone May feels like they need to restore the relationship, God, that you will give them the boldest to talk to you during this time of response. God, that you will set up other believers in their life to encourage them and provide accountability. God, for those that want to build the relationship, God, that you would provide those opportunities for them to do that, whether it's here at Vaughn Forest Church or somewhere else. Father, we just thank you. God, we thank you for what you've done for us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray.